Welcome to Emmanuel Baptist Church Paducah's podcast, where each week we share the sermon from our most recent Sunday morning worship service. At Emmanuel, we are a vibrant community of faith seeking to become more mature followers of Jesus. We invite you to join us. All are welcome. Thanks for listening today. What do the BGs, the Jonas Brothers, Mo? Larry and Curly, Charlie's Angels, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Harry, Hermione, and Ron, Destiny's Child, and Luke, Leia, and Han Solo have in common with our passage today. Probably not much, but each of these groups are groups of three, much like the Gospels touted trio, Peter, James, and John. This touted trio is singled out in the Gospel of Mark on four occasions. In Mark chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, and he only allows Peter, James, and John to tag along with him. The second mention of the trio is in our passage today, the Transfiguration. In Mark chapter 13, verse 3, Peter, James, and John ask Jesus about his words of destruction and end times. In Mark chapter 14, verse 33, Jesus was in the disciples with them in Gethsemane, and he invited Peter, James, and John to go with him when he was deeply distressed saying to the trio, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. It is often said that Peter, James, and John are Jesus' inner circle, those he leans on, those who are in leadership amongst the twelve. And leaders they need, because just before today's passage in Mark chapter 8, Jesus explains that discipleship involves self-denial. Everyone loves (laughs) self-denial. Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. And in between those words of Mark chapter 8 and today's hike up the mountain with Jesus, Mark tells us that six days have passed. After Jesus' upside-down words, losing is winning for the gospel, I'm sure that trio had a lot to ponder. Who wouldn't? The number seven often symbolizes completion in the Bible, and the number six, its opposite. Six often symbolizes something is incomplete. So, in these six days, it's fair to imagine the trio is still digesting Jesus' words of self-denial as they begin the hike up the mountain. In our passage today, it is the first time the disciples, the trio, are on a mountain with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. But mountains 
as a setting for something momentous wouldn't have been a surprise to Peter, James, and John. They knew the stories of their ancestors in the Jewish faith. Peter, James, and John's ancestor Moses met God on a mountain. Moses stayed on the mountaintop of Sinai for 40 days, learning and growing, receiving instruction from God. In the book of Exodus, these instructions from God cover seven chapters. Moses was on the mountaintop with God, but when Moses left the mountain and returned to the Israelites, he was met with the sight of a golden calf. The Israelites were idle, L-E, too long, so they built an idol, O-L, to worship. Peter, James, and John's ancestor, Elijah, met God on a mountain in 1 Kings. Elijah had a showdown with the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, which one time I heard someone read it as (laughs) Mount Caramel, and I loved it so much. Anyway, different words. And after this victorious and exhausting scene, Elijah fled from Mount Carmel. He was on the run for his life, and he finally stopped at Mount Horeb where he encounters God, as John read to us, in a still, small voice. Mountains were frequently the setting for encountering God, but it wasn't always a party. Encountering God is an awe-inducing experience. And sometimes that experience delivers painful news. From the, the top of Mount Nebo, God showed Moses the promised land, but God didn't let him enter the promised land. I mean, that had to be so hard. After 40 years of desert wandering, Moses didn't get to enter the promised land. Mountaintops don't always equal success or wins. There's challenge there too, just as there can be joy in the valley. A few years ago, I was dealing with some higher than usual anxiety. And for some reason, that anxiety attached itself to a fear of mountains. Anxiety is like that. It can attach and hold on to something with a death grip, regardless whether or not it makes any sense. During that season, my mom and I went to lovely mountainous Maine. We ate lobster every day. We kept our eyes peeled. Okay, okay, everyone's okay. We kept our eyes peeled for puffins. We went to a comedy club. I had never done that before. I loved it so much. We hiked through Acadia. But when it came time to visit the top of the famous Cadillac Mountain, I could not do it. I had to stay down at the foot. I just couldn't do it. So that day... The mountaintop didn't happen for me. Take me today. Take me on vacation with you. I will go to the top of the mountain today. But then I I just couldn't do it. Mountaintops don't always equal success or wins. There is challenge there too, just as there can be joy in the valley. When I served the seminary in Washington, D.C., I had students in the valley, the Shenandoah Valley, One of my valley students was a pharmacist by day, seminarian by night. And I still remember when he sent me his first sermon, he wanted me to read it. It was so well-researched, well-written. He was so proud. With Tom, there was joy in the valley. 
Mountaintops don't always equal success or wins. There's challenge too, just as there's joy in the valley. Well, the trio and Jesus are trudging up the mountain to the mountain top, and almost immediately Jesus is transfigured before them. He changes before them. His clothes become dazzling white, and no Clorox on earth could compare. Chelsea Harmon reminds us what they are seeing is a glimpse of God's glory. Peter, James, and John are seeing God's glory revealed in Jesus. They're seeing a glimpse of what's to come, which causes us to fast forward in the gospel. First, to the gleaming garments of the young man who met the women at Jesus' tomb at his resurrection. And second, we fast forward to the book of Revelation, chapter 7, when those of every tribe, tongue, and nation are in the presence of the Lamb of God in white robes. Our passage today rewinds, it fast forwards, and just now I'd like to pause as Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus. Just a reminder, these guys are dead, so we didn't know that. It's kind of a big thing. So their appearance would have been a surprise to Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John, who we thought were the touted trio of this passage, but then our heads are turned to the toutiest, that's not even a word, but whatever, the toutiest of trios, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. My brother Ben and I watched a lot of wrestling growing up. I love Barbies, but we watch wrestling too. And stuff like this would always happen. You'd have two fellows in the ring like uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan <laughs> and what's the bad guy? Million Dollar Man. And you thought that was kind of the match. And then all of a sudden, the ultimate warrior would like run down the aisle real fast out of nowhere. So Moses and Elijah are the ultimate warrior in this scenario, <laughs> just appearing out of nowhere. And we can tell the disciples are surprised. They are talking when Peter inserts himself into the conversation. Apparently, he wants to continue the three theme. Hey, teacher, it's great to be here. Let me just interrupt you for a second and build three dwellings for you. If you think you are awkward at small talk, take comfort in Peter's interlude here. <laughs> Hello, Jesus and two dead guys. How about I start a little building project? <laughs> what? <laughs> Bless him. Verse 6 tells us why Peter was awkward. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. We've all been there, filling silence, interrupting, speaking up, because our feelings are working overtime for us to understand what is happening here. A cloud then overshadowed the six of them, and from that cloud came the voice of God. This is my son, the beloved Listen to him. Friends, these words from God are spoken directly to Peter, James, and John. God is pointing them to Jesus. God is claiming Jesus as his beloved son, and God tells Peter, James, and John to listen. Did you know there is a difference between hearing and listening? We've all heard the scripture read, but were we truly listening? Did scripture get under your skin, take root in your bones? Will it make a difference in your life? 
The disciples certainly heard Jesus speak of his suffering and sacrifice to come, but did they truly listen? Consider asking yourself if you truly listen to God or if you simply hear God. After the divine pronouncement from God, Moses and Elijah are poof gone. And I imagine Peter, James, and John trying to make an iota of sense out of what has just happened. Jesus says nothing. And they begin the hike down the mountain. And as they hiked down, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they'd seen. Notice Jesus didn't ask them to keep quiet He didn't allude to his wishes. No, Jesus ordered them. He ordered them to tell no one. Which may seem a little bit ironic, because what happened on the mountaintop was full of flash. So after Jesus transfigured, two dead fellows appear, and God speaks, we're supposed to keep this to ourselves? It seems ironic, like... 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. It seems ironic for Jesus to tell the trio to keep quiet. Seems ironic, but of course Jesus knows best. The trio didn't, they still didn't understand about sacrifice and suffering. And soon in Mark chapter 10, James and John, two of the guys on the mountain, will ask, to sit at Jesus' right hand, wanting to be first and best, while Jesus teaches last and humility, Jesus knew best. Chelsea Harmon said, experiences of God's very presence can take a long time to understand and to be able to share in a way that is actually useful to the community of faith. Friends, sometimes we need more than a hike down the mountain to understand who Jesus is, what we've seen, and what is in front of us. Peter, James, and John hiked up and down the mountain with Jesus, learning about him on the mountaintop and in the valley. On the top of the mountain, they experienced a transfigured Jesus, loving and holy, and the pronouncement of his sonship. From God. On the mountaintop, they experienced the heroes of the Jewish faith, Elijah and Moses. But their mountaintop experiences were not all glorious. They experienced fear at what to say or not to say, at what to do or not to do. Mountaintop experiences are often revelatory, but they also come with change. Experiencing God in Christ will mean change, which can be painful but necessary and beautiful in the end. Mountaintops don't always equal success or wins. There's challenge there too, just as there can be joy in the valley. So, sisters and brothers, whether you're on the mountaintop today or in the valley This morning, know that God is right there with you. Let us pray together. God, we are grateful for the gift of Jesus. 
We are grateful for his disciples who walked alongside him, learning and making mistakes, growing and changing, being with him. We're grateful that they are a mirror of us, Lord. Help us to learn. Lord, no matter where we are today, Lord, remind us of your presence, that you are with us, walking with us as we learn and as we grow. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, by the power of Holy Spirit. Amen.